Here the last couple of weeks, I told you this week was going to be the last one, and just like most preachers, apparently I'm a liar, all right? So this week we're going to be in Hebrews chapter number 13, we're going to look at one verse, verse number 14, and then next week we will be, it will, okay, I promised you, all right? Next week will be the last ones. In fact, I've already got part of the message done, it's going to be the last week, okay, that we're going to be in Hebrews, and then we'll go back over to James in a couple of weeks, all right? Uh, but uh, Hebrews chapter number 13, we're going to look at one verse today, verse number 14, but for context, let's begin in verse number 10, verse number 10, all right? Look with me there, it says this, we have an altar, we preached about that a few weeks ago, what an altar it is, the cross of Christ, whereof they have no right to eat which serve tabernacles. For the bodies of those beasts which, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. That's where we were last, last week. So we look at verse 14. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well. Please. Let's pray and ask for the Lord to help us this morning. And then we're going to dive into one verse. This is a powerful verse. I'm telling you, I didn't plan on spending another week just on one verse, but as I was studying that, I just couldn't get out of it. And uh, I feel like this week, verse number 14, is due a whole week that we spend in this verse, and I'm looking forward to dive into it together. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help, and then we'll do that together. Father, thank you for this time. I ask, Lord, now that you would work in each and every heart. God, you know that my heart's been stirred this week as I've been studying and preparing and and reading through this, and God, you know, my heart's been captivated by this verse, and I pray that the same thing would be true to those in this room this morning. I pray that our minds, Lord, would, would be able to focus for a few moments, and God, our hearts would be challenged. And I pray, Lord, that each person that's here would walk out of here, maybe a little bit lighter in their step, Lord, with, with a load that's lifted, and Lord, encouraged to go forward for you because of the promise that we find in this verse. Now, God, we look forward to what you're going to do. Bless each and every part of this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1952, Florence Chadwick attempted to become the first woman to swim the 26 miles between Catalina Island and the California coastline. She began swimming, and as she, she took off and, and, and began swimming, at first everything was fine, and she was doing very well. In fact, uh, most of the day went by and, and with very little struggles. And, and as she swam, she was flanked on, on, on both sides by boats that went along beside her, keeping watch out for, for sharks or for any other animals that could be in the water, for any danger that maybe would come to her, and, and, and just being there with her as she went. In one of those boats, her mother was alongside, riding along as she was swimming, trying to encourage her to continue as she swam across that, that way to the coastline. Well, as she went, the night began to fall, and as the night began to fall, so did the fog. And the fog came down, and it became so thick, she could no longer see the coastline. She continued swimming, and, and she tried, and, and she continued going, and, and finally she looked at her mother and said, Mom, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. And, but she continued on for about another hour, until finally she couldn't do it anymore, and she asked to be pulled out of the water. And as she sat there in that boat, shivering and, and warming up, and a blanket wrapped around her, and, and, and sitting there in that, that boat for a few moments, all of a sudden the fog began to lift. 
And less than a mile away, she could see the coast. When she made it to the shore and, and, and she was surrounded by the reporters that began to question her and, and ask her, you know, how it was and what happened and things, she said this. She said, I'm not trying to make excuses, but if I could have seen the shoreline, I know I could have made it. You know, last week we, we looked at verse number 13 and, and we saw based upon the, the altar of the cross of Christ that we are commanded to go forth, therefore, unto Him, bearing His, without the camp, bearing His reproach. We're, we're challenged to, to keep going spiritually, to procru- pursue Christ each and every day. And that's one of the reasons that we're doing this study on Sunday morning and Sunday school is to help us to go forth, therefore, unto Him, without the camp, so that we can bear His reproach. And I hope this last week, following last week's message, I, I hope that that it was one of the most refreshing and encouraging weeks for you spiritually, maybe that you've had, you know, all year. I know it hasn't been very long, but I hope that it was. And and maybe you're here and you say, you know, it really wasn't. Well, I hope that this coming week will be. I hope that you'll purpose to say, listen, Lord, I want to be closer to you than I've ever been. I want to have that relationship with you that's better than, than I've ever experienced. And I hope that you'll purpose to make that decision to walk and go closer to the Lord each and every day. And while we're pursuing Christ, we're supposed to do it bearing his reproach, bearing the, the reproach of Christ outside the camp, a place of safety and comfort. We're supposed to do it knowing that, listen, it's not going to be easy. Choosing daily to to take up our own personal cross and to live boldly for Him. It it won't be easy, it won't be convenient, but it wasn't easy or convenient for Christ on the cross. And so we shouldn't expect it for our life as well as we take up His cross as well. As followers of Christ, that's what we're called to do. You know that reminder of Christ's cross, the reminder of the altar that we talked about a few weeks ago, that Christ's altar of that cross, that that reminder should be enough to propel us each and every day in our lives. But the truth is, so many times the water gets cold, I guess you could say. So many times the fog sets in. The dangers seem all around us and we can't see which way to go. And sometimes discouragement overcomes us. Anxieties overwhelm us. And uncertainty begins to cripple our lives. And it's in those days when it can be so hard to look back and see the cross of Christ. And yet God in His goodness, here in Hebrews chapter number 13 Verse number 14, he pins for us a reminder that while sometimes we may struggle to look back and be motivated by the cross of Christ, that should be our motivation. Oh, he puts another motivation in front of us to keep us going. And it's the promise that in the midst of the reproach in the, the pain, the suffering that we may face for Christ, it's in the times that we're outside of the camp and, and facing that those difficulties That not only the motivation behind us, but the motivation that's in front of us should help us to continue going forward for Him. Today's message is very simple. We're going to look at the promise that God has made to us. The promise that God has given to us. That, that, listen, as life becomes so difficult, we can look to and that promise can be a motivation to help us to continue on for Him. Look again at Hebrews chapter number 13, verse number 14. He says this, for here, here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. 
There's just something about home, isn't there? Maybe uh, you, you've spent some time away from home doing something. I know during the holidays, we spent a few days away from home at, at family members' houses and, and spent some time with them. And, and, and there's, there's nice things about being away from home sometimes. It's nice whenever you don't have to make all the food, okay? I mean, that's, that's a nice thing. It's nice when it's not your house that's getting dirty, right? I mean, there's, there's some nice things about it. It's fun to get with, with family sometimes and to play games and to do things together like that. That's, that's enjoyable, Maybe you've been on a vacation before for, for a period of time, a, a length of time, and, and, and you've went somewhere, and, and maybe, maybe it was the wintertime in Montana, you went somewhere warm. I mean, like, that was a, that's a wonderful thing, you know? Uh, I enjoy going to beaches in the wintertime, all right? That's, that's, a, that's a good thing to do, uh, but it better be warm, okay? I mean, that's just the way it is. But, I, I mean, that's, that's something that we enjoy doing, but, but you've probably, like me, all experienced it to where even... Even on a vacation that you get towards the end of it and all of a sudden it's just like, man, I just I can't wait to be home. <laughs> I can't wait to, to get back into my own house, uh, to sit on my own couch, listen, to lay in my own bed with my own pillow. I mean, like, I mean, we, we probably, uh, ex- you probably experienced this before where you just can't go to, go to sleep unless you're in your own bed with your own pillow. It's just the way it is. I think it happens the older that you get. You, you just got to have your own bed and your own pillow. And if you don't have it, you can't get good sleep. There's just something about being home. Here the writer in, in Hebrews, he tells the reader, he says this. He says, this isn't your city. For some of those that he was writing to, Jerusalem had been their home their entire lives. It was all that they knew. They didn't live in a day and age like we do. In the world that we live in today, travel is such a normal part of life. I mean, uh, for somebody to stay within their own state for, for their lives is, is unheard of anymore. I mean, people are, are constantly traveling from one place to another, and, and many have been outside, most have been outside of Montana, many have been outside of the Northwest, some have, have flown to other countries or, or things like that. It's, it's just a normal part of the world that we live in today, but don't forget, in, in Christ's time, that's not what it was. At that time, most of the people would, would live very close to each other, and most of the time they would live very close to right where they grew up. Oftentimes they would live in the same house that they grew up in. In the Jewish culture, that was just the way that it was. There would be a house, and when someone had got married, they'd all add an addition onto the house, and that's where they would They lived in the same house. Could you imagine living like that today? I, I can't. I mean, that would be, uh, I love my in-laws, but no thanks. I mean, come on, I like my, my separation, I like my distance, I like my own space, right? That wasn't what it was like for them. For, for many of those that he was writing to, those Jewish believers, those Hebrew believers, for many of them, this is all they'd ever known. I mean, you think about it, they went to the same market you know, weekly where they would get their goods. They, they went to the, the same people's houses, the same friends that were nearby. They walked the same street. They went to the same school. I mean, I mean it, was, it was their kids went to the same school. This was their home. This was all they had ever known. Until the day that they accepted Christ as their Savior. And now everything had changed. Suddenly they weren't welcome at the market anymore. The friends that they had went and spent time with now rejected them. Why? Because they were a Christ follower. Persecution followed them everywhere that they could go. Listen, home wasn't home anymore. And here the writer of Hebrews reminds 
these Christians of a wonderful promise. Listen, here, we have no continuing city. This is not your home. But we seek one to come. Christian, can I just, just as we begin the service here this morning, kind of get started here, can I just remind us of something? You aren't home. You aren't home. I know some of you, well, well I mean, listen, Whitehall's my home. I mean, you know, Cardwell's my home. Uh, Three Forks or, or Sheridan or, or uh, uh, Butte's my home. No, listen, Frank, can I tell you, you aren't home. Everything changed when you accepted Christ as your Savior. In 1 Peter chapter number 2, Peter writes for us, he says this, But ye are a chosen priesthood, a, royal, a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. How, how, how applicable for Hebrews where we're at, right? What we've been talking about. A peculiar people. That ye should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into this, his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. But listen to what he says here. Here it is. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers, and as pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. He says here, he says, listen, that you were once not a people, but now you're a people of, of God. But listen, you, as a people of God, you're a stranger. You're a pilgrim. You're going to feel like you don't belong here because this is not your home. Oh, these first century Christians, they knew far greater than what we do, what it truly means to go without the camp and bear the reproach of Christ. To, to identify as a Christian, to identify with Christ, meant to pin a, a, a big bullseye on your back for your life could literally be taken here in America, in Northwest uh, uh, United States, in the small town of Whitehall, Montana. We don't understand persecution, all right? We have no idea. No idea. There are people around the world that do, by the way. There are people that today can't do what we're doing right now. And, and listen, uh, they, they would give anything to be able to do what we're doing right now, to come together and to sing out together. What a wonderful thing it would be. But they can't. Why? Because if they did, their lives could be taken. What a privilege we have. We have no idea what it's like. You know, the truth is, most Christians... The reality is we're far too at home in the world that we're living in. Far too comfortable in the world that we live in. We spend so much of our life seeking for the comforts of this world. We need the new car or the bigger house or, or the better job or, or we, need, we need this and this will make me happy or need that and that will make me happy. And, 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 and we think that's the answer. If these circumstances or, or this situation that I'm in, if this person would just change, then everything would be good. Then I would finally be happy. Can I tell you a secret? If you think those things on earth are going to give you lasting happiness or that relationships on this earth are going to give you lasting happiness, can I tell you a little secret here? You've been fooled. Because it doesn't work like that. 
Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have nice things or that you shouldn't try to have a comfortable life or things like that. That's not what I'm saying. You shouldn't work hard for, for stuff. That's not what I'm, what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is if you think that's where happiness is found, you've been duped. See, as a child of God, your final contentment isn't on this earth. Because this is not your home. I heard it said recently by somebody that the Christian life may not always pay well, but the benefits in retirement are out of this world. I mean, just think about that, right? I think it was, I think it was John. I think you're the one that told me that. Friend, while we're on this earth, our goal shouldn't be comfort and relaxation. I hope you're comfortable. I hope you're able to relax, but that shouldn't be our final goal. Because here we have no continuing city, but friend, we seek one to come. Our eyes aren't set on this world. They're set on the world that one day we will enjoy. Eternity in heaven. Jesus had his disciples gathered around him. It was the night before his crucifixion. They're all sitting there around him. And really beginning all the way back in John chapter number 13. Jesus called his disciples and and they're all sitting around there. And Jesus begins to wash their feet. That's how the the story began. Really, chapter number 13, I believe it was the end of of chapter number 18, really contains Jesus teaching the disciples there on that that last evening. But in chapter number 14, he, he says some familiar words. And oftentimes, we don't spend time talking about them unless we're at a funeral or something like that. But he says this in John chapter number 14, verse number 1. He said this, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. They didn't understand what he was talking about there, but we know he was getting ready to die on the cross for them. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. These believers had no idea what he was talking about. They still were under the impression that Jesus was going to overthrow the government and set up his kingdom on that earth. They had no idea that he was saying, listen, no, 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 it's not a city of this earth. But we're seeking one to come. In First Thessalonians chapter number 4, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. He says in verse number 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. You know what he says? You want to know how to com- be comforted? He said, comfort one another with these words oh our comfort isn't on this earth no 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 he said listen your comfort is one day if you know christ you're gonna be in his presence for all of eternity one day if you know christ you're gonna find your way home find your way to heaven it's the promise of that one day that should be our comfort one day if you know no christ you will breathe your last breath on this earth One day, if you know Christ, you will close your eyes for the final time. One day, you will open your eyes and you will find yourselves in the presence of the one who gave himself on the altar of that cross. And it's that promise of that day that should push us to continue on for the Lord. 
As we look back on the cross of Christ and the price that he paid so that we could have this promise that one day we'll have eternity in heaven. Oh, what motivation God has given to us. What a calling he's given to us. Because see, sometimes in life, the fog of trials set in. Sometimes you feel like you can't go on any longer. Sometimes find yourself broken and discouraged in this world that we're living in. But friend, don't forget, this world is not your home. Here, we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. And here's the reality. We don't know what that day is going to be. We don't know when it's going to come. We don't know what that last breath is going to happen. In James chapter number 4, verse number 14, he says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. In Proverbs 27, verse number 1, he, he tells us, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. I have no doubt that everybody in this room probably has plans. Maybe for after church service today. You've got some plan. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna. Everybody here has decided already that you're gonna stick around and you're gonna join the youth ministry and then you're gonna help decorate the church. But then after that, you know, you got some plans, things that you're gonna do, right? You got plans for tomorrow. You know, okay, I'm gonna go to work or I got to do this or I got to do that. You got plans for this week. I got to be in this place. I got to go to this place. You got plans next Sunday to be in the same place right here. I'm glad that you made that plan. All right, you got plans, right? But the reality is, is plans can change. You see, all it takes is your heart beating, heart to stop beating for just a moment. Not start back up again. That's it. And all of a sudden, going to the grocery store on Tuesday isn't going to happen. And all of a sudden, the the game that you had to go through to on on Thursday, it's it's not going to happen. And and all of a sudden, those plans with your friends on on Saturday that you were looking forward to, it's not going to happen. Why? Because all of a sudden you're going to open your eyes and you're going to be at the start of eternity. And if you don't have arrangements already made, that eternity is an eternity of punishment. Maybe you've tried to make reservations at a nice restaurant before. You call ahead or whatever and you try to make restaurants or things like that. If you try to go to a nice, nice restaurant and you don't call ahead and make reservations, it's always a very frustrating experience. It? I mean, like uh, we had this recently where we went over to Bozeman and, and we had to do a couple of things. We started, we, we were going to, it was right at Christmas, so we were going to kind of celebrate and just kind of, this is, this is going to be our nice, nice meal together. And we decided we were going to go over to the ribbon shop in, in Bozeman. We've never been there over in Bozeman, but we thought, you know, this will be fun. We'll go over there. This will be a nice night and enjoy this. And we walked in and, and uh, we walked up to the the counter and said, hey, we got, we got two adults, three kids, you know, and, and she said, do you have reservations? We're like, like, I mean, she's like, you know, kind of like nose in the air when she said it, you know, it's just like, really, you know, and, uh, and we said, well, no, we didn't make reservations. We've got a lot of stuff going on tonight. It's probably going to be a while before we can set you, probably, you know, an hour before we can get you in. Now, listen, I've got three little kids. There's no way we're sitting there for an hour. It's not happening. I kind of turned around and raised my nose in the air and said, well, we'll go to fast food, you know, and uh, 
No reservations. You can't get in. It's a frustrating thing, right? I mean, that's, that's not an exciting place to be in. You've probably experienced it for yourself. Friend, you understand that if you haven't made reservations for heaven one day, you'll find when you arrive that there aren't any more openings. You understand if you don't make reservations for heaven ahead of time, that one day when you, whenever you get there, it's not like, hey, listen, you know, we're, we're really packed, but hey, there's a spot right over here for you. We'll just slide you in this way. It's not, it doesn't work like that. Friend, you have to make reservations ahead of time. Maybe you're here today, and you've been doing this church thing for quite some time now. Maybe you've done it for years. You know the verbiage, you know the words, you know the things that you're supposed to say. But you've never truly accepted Christ as your Savior. You've thought to yourself, hey, you know, I've heard this message before. And you've thought to yourself, maybe I'll do it another day. You've pushed off making those arrangements, right? I'll just push it a little bit further. Push it a little bit further. I'll plan on doing that a little bit later. Listen, friend, you don't know when that last breath is going to happen. And there will be no more maybe next times. There will be no more maybe next week. There will be no more maybe tomorrow. It's over. And when you're standing before God and you haven't made your eternal reservations in heaven, He has no choice but to cast you out into everlasting darkness. Can I ask you this? On that night to get into that restaurant, whose fault was it that reservations weren't made? The restaurant or mine? It was the restaurant. You're right. Okay, so that's, a, that's the correct answer, right? They should always have a spot for me, all right? No. It's my fault. I should have, yeah, it was Tress's fault. That's right. Clayton, we have this marriage conference coming up. I think it'd be, I think it'd be good for you to... It was my fault, right? I mean, like, I should have made the reservations. And listen, one day, whenever you stand before God, you can't point the finger at Him and say, God, why? It's your fault. No, 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 no. God sent His Son on the cross. It doesn't get much more blatant, more clear than, listen, I gave my Son for you. He died for your sin, and you have to accept His payment if you want to get to heaven. The reservation is right there for the taking. All you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. I'll do it next time. I'll do it next time. I'll do it next time. One day you'll open up your eyes. And it'll be too late. Friend, heaven's a wonderful place. And I hope each and every person in this room goes there. I hope you've got your reservation in place. If you don't, you'll call upon the name of the Lord today. The Bible tells us that that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if you recognize that I am a sinner and I deserve this punishment, I don't deserve to be let in, but Christ died for me. He's given me the opportunity to make a reservation for all of eternity. All I have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. I know that I am a sinner And I know that you died for me and I accept your gift of eternal life. Not trusting in anything that I can do, any works that I can accomplish. No religious things. No, it's already been done on the cross. 
accepting his gift of eternal life. Friend, it's your choice, but if you choose not to receive it, one day you'll stand before him and it'll be on you. And there'll be no spot for you in heaven. And I hope that's not the case for anybody in this room. Say, Kyle, you're trying to scare me into something? Friend, if that's what it takes, then absolutely. Absolutely. I don't want to scare anybody, but I hope you realize how how important this is. Because I know this. If I scare you into getting saved, one day when we get to heaven, you'll come to me and you'll say thank you. Because I'd way rather hurt your feelings here than see you spend eternity in hell for all of eternity. Well, heaven's a wonderful place. God desires for everybody to go there. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, all that know Christ, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. And we've got so much to look forward to. In Revelation, John gives us just a glimpse of this beautiful city. It's not a lot, but it's just a little bit. I can't wait to get there. I, it's going to be an amazing place. I, listen, you may not believe it, but I kind of think that on one corner there's going to be like a burrito place, all right? And it's going to be, I like burrito. Amen. Yeah, I like Mexican food. And that, listen, they're not even going to make you pay for the chips and salsa. I'm just telling you, okay? <laughs> Went to a restaurant recently and they made me pay for the chips and salsa. I said, I'm never going back there again, all right? It's going to be, it's going to be a restaurant with chips. It's going to be awesome. And on the other side, it's going to be the breakfast place. And all they're going to serve is biscuits and gravy. It's going to be good, all right? The Bible talks about it, right? Flowing with milk. And honey, and I, and, and I believe the wafers are going to be biscuits. It's going to be biscuits and gravy. It's going to be sweet. It's going to be spicy. It's going to be good, all right? No, that's, okay, that was the, the, the Kyle version, all right? Now, now let's get into what the Bible actually says, because James gives us a glimpse. In, in Revelation chapter 21, he says this in verse number 18, In the building of the wall of it was jasper. The city was pure gold. But it's not like gold like we think. We think of like this yellowish gold. No, no, no. The Bible says it was gold like clear glass. Wow. I mean, like I've, I've seen white gold, but I mean clear gold? Wow. This is unbelievable. And the foundation of the wall of the city was garnished with all manner of precious stones. There are people that give their lives digging stones, rocks out of the dirt. This wall is going to be built of them. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony. I don't know what that is, okay? The fourth an emerald. And he goes on and he describes the walls of the city and how beautiful it's going to be. And, and then he comes to verse number 21 and he says, And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. This is crazy. I mean, think about this, okay? Have you looked at how much pearls cost? They're very expensive. I just want you to know that, all right? He says every gate of the city is going to be of one pearl. You've never seen a clamshell this big. I'm just telling you. It's going to be huge. You're going to walk into the city through a giant pearl. It's unbelievable. And the street of the city. Listen, this is, this is where we get a little confused, okay? It's, it's the street. One street, okay? I don't know. Maybe other streets will be too. But one street in the city is going to be a pure gold and it's going to be transparent glass. 
I kind of hope that it's not like over like a mountain or something, because I got a little bit of a fear of heights, all right? You know, it just makes me a little nervous. You know, you've seen like the things where people walk out on the walkways and it's way down and they're like panicking and things. If I ever went on one of those, that would be me, all right? I I got enough of, of, I think it's like enough smarts to know that's not safe, okay? I mean, walking on glass over a a vast expense, not a good idea. Listen, he says it's going to be a street of gold made of transparent glass. This is You've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like this. We can't even wrap our minds around what it's going to be. I mean, what an incredible structure. How beautiful it would be. I, I've been to some places that, that had some pretty incredible structures and, and, and seen some, some amazing man-made structures. I can remember as a teenager, we made a trip over to St. Louis. And if you've been there, you've seen the St. Louis Arch. That's really cool. I mean, it's just... This is amazing. I mean, if you've seen pictures and things, it's really neat. But if you go there, it's amazing. I mean, it's just this incredible arch that, that goes up. And, and you can go up in the arch. You can take an elevator that somehow, I mean, the ingenuity is amazing. But, but it doesn't just go up and down. It goes kind of like sideways up into the arch. And you can go up there to the top and, and, and you, can, you can look out and things like that. And then there's, there's spots underneath the arch you can go to. It's an incredible, incredible structure. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, man is, has, has made the, the Golden Gate Bridge. I've never actually seen it in person, but what a, what a cool thing. The Eiffel Tower. I, I, I've never been to France, so I, I don't know. But, I mean, it seems like that would be kind of a neat thing to see. I mean, uh, scientists and geologists have gone on years and years about how the ancient people from way back when built the pyramids. I mean, it's, it's an amazing, amazing structure. Man has, has made some incredible, incredible things. But listen, friend. None of it's going to compare to what heaven's going to be like. I mean, it doesn't even hold a candle to it. And listen, friend, in heaven, there's no doubt that those structures will surpass anything that man could do on earth. But listen, it isn't the stones that make heaven so wonderful. It isn't that giant gate of, of pearl that is so incredible. It makes it so wonderful. No, 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 it it isn't the golden street that makes heaven so wonderful. It's not the sights that we will see. No, 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 friend. I tell you what, heaven will be so wonderful. It's because God will be there. God will be there. Oh, I hope you look forward to heaven for all those things, and I hope we can grab a burrito together, all right? I mean, I just... (laughs) But listen, nothing compares to the fact that we'll be in the presence of God. Revelation 21, verses 22 and 23 says this, And I saw no temple therein. There was no temple. You understand, we, we won't go and worship in a synagogue or a temple, like in a, in a church building, okay? Why? Because the Almighty God and the Lamb are the temple. Nothing. And the city had no need of sun, neither of moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. There will be no sun, no moon. Why? Because God is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. He will lighten everything. We will be in His presence all the time, worshiping Him. Spurgeon said this, Oh, to think of heaven without Christ. It is the same thing as to think of hell. Heaven without Christ, it is a day without sun, existing without light, feasting without food, seeing without light. It involves a contradiction in terms. Heaven without Christ? Absurd. 
It is the sea without water. The earth without its fields. The heavens without their stars. There cannot be a heaven without Christ. He is the sum total of bliss. The fountain from which heaven flows. The element, the element of which heaven is composed. Christ is heaven. And heaven is Christ. Friend, you understand that it isn't the pearly gate, it isn't the golden street that makes heaven heaven. No, no, what makes heaven heaven is that God will be there. The one who gave his only begotten son will be there. Jesus Christ will be there. We will see the nail prints in his hands and in his feet, the scar on his side. We will see him and be able to worship him together. That's what makes heaven so amazing. Revelation 21 verses 3 and 5 tells us, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. You know who that is? That's Jesus. And He will dwell with them. And they shall be His people. And God Himself shall be with them. And be their God. Oh, and God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death. Neither sorrow. Nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. I was talking with Roberta before the service today and we were talking about how you get older and, and your body hurts more. It just is what it is, right? I've, I've already experienced it. I woke up in the morning and I hurt. I mean, like when you sleep wrong, that's whenever you know things are going downhill quick, right? No more pain. No more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Oh, friend, who wouldn't want to go there? To be in the presence of the one who turned an old, rugged, nasty cross into an altar. The one who suffered without the gate for you and for me. One day when our faith is made sight. See, there's a song, an old song. You probably know it. It says this. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. That second verse says this. There'll be no sorrow there. No more burdens to bear. No more sickness, no pain. No more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. And what a day that will be. Here's the point. When my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Two months after 
Florence Chadwick attempted to cross that water. She gave it another shot. She tried it again. Now she swam across about the same time the same thick fog set in. But this time she continued. And she reached the shore and became the first woman to swim from Catalina Island to the California coastline. The same reporters swarmed her afterwards and they asked her, how did you do it, especially after failing last time? And she said this, I kept a mental image of the shoreline in my mind while I swam. Friend, in this world, we will have troubles. The Bible is clear. Life will not be easy, especially as we bear the reproach of Christ. We live for Him. There will be times when the fog sets in, when the waves are rocking, when you don't know how you're even going to be able to go on, how you're going to wake up in the morning. But when those days come, can I encourage you, when things seem so dark, don't forget about the cross that is behind you. And don't forget about the promise that's in front of you. Oh, heaven truly is getting sweeter all the time. And one day the fog will lift and everything will be clear. So just keep pressing on. Because we have so much to look forward to. See, this world is not your home. Truly, we're just passing through. Christian, can I remind you this morning? You are not home yet. But one day you will be. We have so much to look forward to. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed today. I know today's a little bit different message, but I believe it can be such an an encouragement, such a lifter-upper of our heads as we think about the promise that we have to look forward to. See, here we have no continuing city, but friend, we seek one to come. In this world you shall have tribulation, the Bible said. But be of good cheer, Jesus says. I have overcome the world. And he's gone to prepare a place for you. And if he's gone to prepare a place for you, he will come again and receive you unto himself, that where he is there you may be also. Friend, this morning heaven is so sweet. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I hope you'll do it this morning. Because friend, that promise, oh, it's, it's such a wonderful promise. And if you haven't made your reservation, you can make it right where you're seated this morning. You can ask the Lord, God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I ask you, God, to forgive me for my sins. I'm putting my full faith and trust in you. Friend, if you know that, if you know that you're going to spend eternity in heaven, then listen, I know there's many in this room that are going through some things right now. Going through some trials. In fact, everybody's going through something. Some have greater trials they're going through right now than others, but everybody's going through stuff. And sometimes we can get so caught up in those trials and those difficulties. And they are big. They are hard. But listen, friend. They're just on this earth. Friend, we got the promise that one day we're going to be, we're going to be in Jesus' presence for all of eternity. Heaven is going to be so sweet. There'll be no more sorrow, no, no burdens when we get to heaven. And I hope this morning that thought will encourage your heart. Maybe you just want to come to the Lord and just say, thank you, God. Help me to keep that right perspective. That, God, one day I'm going to be in your presence. And it's worth it. It's worth it where I am today. And, God, it'll be worth it one day when I'm in your presence.
with heads bowed and with eyes closed, let's stand together as the music plays. And I hope you'll take a few moments and just respond to the Lord this morning.